Flex and Frooms. Flex and Frooms. This is the Flex and Frooms Catch-Up Podcast. Oh, no, everybody. No. I'm scared. Who Who is Cleo? Nori, Cleo. Phoebe Tonkin. Oh, from H2O. Yeah. Shout out Jamie Timoney, who was in the show, friend of mine, Mossy, listeners music. Anyway... <laughs> Was that a tangent? Brookie no. says, keep it tight. And she's like, anyway, so what show was that? And my friend was... <laughs> sorry, sorry. We're going to be talking about the end of the world. I was just trying to like bring the energy up because you're about to shoot it down out of the sky, girl. Here's the potty. <laughs> Flex and frames. Flex and frames. Cater. Never miss a beat. I said one of my 2023 outs was respectability politics. And that's, you know, a lot of us find us shackled by... Um, the idea that we have to say things in the right way to be heard or the polite way. And I'm just over it. This mm. year, I'm getting really annoyed because I feel like we've spent the last five years learning how to critically, critically think, like unpack stuff, become smarter. And yet we keep asking ourselves really silly questions or ones that don't need this much thought at all. This Am I the asshole in particular? No shade to the author, but I just feel like, is this what we need to be thinking about on a day to day? And yet you're hooked. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I am the problem. I am, what do you call it? Uh, le problème. Le, le, le problème. <laughs> am I the arsehole for buying a gift card as a birthday gift? Off the top? Oofed. Uh, no. No. We'll see. So am I the arsehole for buying my mother-in-law a gift card for her birthday? It was a marvellous night, lots of fun, until she opened my present and everyone stared at me with effing flaming daggers. Mother-in-law had no issue at all. Or she's a very talented actress using her best smile. My significant other, significant yeah. other, thinks I'm the asshole because I'm supposed to give someone an actual gift on their birthday, which I did. A Nike gift card for $75 to buy workout clothes from her favorite brand. I feel I'm not the asshole for the simple fact that my gift had thought and value. Meanwhile, there were some very heavy hidden gifts, jewelry, expensive shoes, Bloomingdale clothes, etc. And I can't even afford more than $75 without breaking Christmas budget or, you know, paying my rent. Am I the crazy one here? Please. I know I'm already conflicted about the situation. I felt bad enough that the rest of the night I hid in the bathroom because of the food. It was not the food. <laughs> that is the real issue. <laughs> it was not the food. <laughs> you know what? That one is a little bit more complex because gifting culture, much mm. like tipping culture, a lot of unspoken rules and not a lot of like middle ground mm. at all. Do not say too much, Miss mm, and Nod. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a horrible, horrible situation on behalf of everybody but this woman. First and foremost, am I ever going to be getting my mother-in-law a $75 gift card? No, sorry, gift full stop? Absolutely not. Oh, never? I think there's either under 50 or if it's like the first birthday with your partner or like your parents, you do in the upper 100s. Okay. 75 is the weirdest amount. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's the number amount that's really got to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it has. $75. Like, how did you think about it? You may as well have just have done like 62 or something. I will say it's very thoughtful. Nike yeah. is her favourite brand. Literally. And sportswear is something that's very particular. I don't want someone going out and buying me a pair of shorts. I've got a very specific type. I personally have nothing against gift cards. Who started anti-gift card propaganda? Because I think a few people have, number one, overestimated their importance to assume that I have enough time, space and energy to go out and find you a physical gift when you can do that in your own time. It's your gift. Me providing the resources for you to get exactly what you want feels like the most thoughtful thing to do. Now, as an adult, 
I realize why people think that it's rude to get gift cards because I understand how hard it is to make time to get gifts, if that makes sense. Yes. I used to never think it was – I didn't think there was anything different between going out and, and getting a gift card and buying something in terms of, like, mm. the labor. I will say commas. there is a difference. Like, if there's anyone in my life who's important enough to me that warrants a gift or expects a gift, I will do the due diligence and go out and get them a gift, Right. But a mother-in-law is a very specific niche of gift giving. Like, I don't really know you like that. I might know of you. So I feel like a gift, but to be honest, I would go get a like six, no, six, a diptyque candle and call it a day. Baby, you know, I'm getting you know what I'm saying. the hand creme. Uh, not, okay. The hand creme pack. <laughs> From where? Just a body shop number. Okay. We're not, we're not doxing Some of brands us are built here. different. Some of us are built different and that's okay. Mother-in-laws are specifically the awkwardest. Actually, a father-in-law might be awkward as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting him a gift. I got my um, ex's sister a... Uh, we're doing siblings? It was, yeah, I was like meant to go up and see her. We ended up like breaking up. I already gotten the present, but then we uh. broke up. <laughs> but I got her like a Maison Balzac, like the carafe and the mm. glass moment before it was very popular, mind you. Okay. Just saying. Tastemaker. So, yeah, but never met her actually either. So just so you, be careful. You were doing too much. I was doing a lot. That's okay. That's okay. I went out in style. <laughs> Flex and Frooms. They're the best. What a duo. Cater. Flex is looking at me very alarmed because I've just tried to stuff a piece of paper back in my folder. It's just that we are on borrowed time right now. Like there's so much to do today, so little time. And the one time Frumi decides to open our clipboards that Brooke so lovingly creates for us with all of our notes, she's like fussing about trying to like stuff it in neatly. It's not the time, babe. It's not the time. It is the time, however, to talk about your transformation. Yes. My shift, my metamorphosis. Mm. As you know, I'm a blonde head girl. Maybe you don't know that if you're just listening on the radio, but I've been blonde for 15 years, okay? My shift from a dark brunette mm-hmm. into a light peroxide blonde started when I was in year six, got my first highlights, or maybe year seven, one of those years. It actually began, um, a friend of mine's mum was a hairdresser and I went over there and she dyed it red and like, remember when we were really younger, there was like, um, you'd cut all the top of it so it was spiky. Yes. Yes. It was one of those numbers. Kind of ahead of the curve. Obviously, <laughs> it looked horrible on me. Shocking. One of my worst looks ever. Your head's not big enough. Yeah, it was a bit ch- chicken vibes. <laughs> like that really fancy chicken. <laughs> anyway, I dyed it brown on a whim the other day. My hair had started breaking off ferociously from the bleach. It finally said no more. And so I've gone back to my original colour, which is dark brown, Initial thoughts, Flex? Phenomenal. I actually saw a soft launch. I don't think you intended it to be released to the public, you know, unbeknownst to you without your consent. But I did see a story on a mutual friend's page, not hard launching the the colour change, but you were patting a dog at a cafe. And I said, hold on, hold on. (laughs) And then you did a hard launch on the feed. And I was saying, it makes you look so luminous, but I don't know you as a brunette. And so it's really bizarre. But the reason why I asked... Um, if you're going to talk about it, is because about two years ago, I discovered that there was law and, you know, a bit of controversy in the Caucasian community about hair colour. One would say a social hierarchy. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was that deep, right? I think I made uh, an offhand remark about how, you know, if you were born blonde and then you get to the age 13 and your hair is brunette, then 
you are a brunette, right? And everyone's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You do have to specify that you were a blonde. And now, and I just, and there's all different types of blondes. And I think my, I didn't intend for it to be flippant because I didn't understand the layers it there were to it. And so to go from a peroxide blonde, like the level that you are at, the blondest of the blondes, to go straight dark on a whim, not even ash blonde, honey blonde, caramel, dark, I said, is everything well? <laughs> is everything well in your heart? <laughs> you know what? It's that I was unwell. I was always a dark brown brunette girl. And me becoming blonde was because I wanted to jump up the hierarchy. I'm a social climber. What can I say? And I just One thought, more time. I'm a social climber. Okay? I'm not going to be... Can I just get that on video? <laughs> if we could just really quickly. One more time. No. I've been put on the spot. One more time. I'm not a social climber. No, I'm. I have social climbing tendencies, as does everybody in this society. I think it's only fair to have social climbing tendencies. She's a social boulderer. <laughs> <laughs> Up against it, but I say this all to say, going off blonde. Like to me, blonde was like my edge. I was like, I'm Paula Yates. I'm Jessica Rowe. I'm all these things. I'm different, and so to be brown to me is to be basic and to be um, not looked at. But I think for me. You're right. It's deeper for some people. I think for a lot of people, hair generally is deep. I don't care what anybody says. Hair is deep. Mm. But it's good to understand what your personal relationship towards your hair is. My relationship was like, I'm either going to have a shaved head or I'm going to be blonde because I wanted to be edgy and different. But now as I'm getting older, I'm kind of like, I want to get used to not having to look a certain way. And it's not in a defeatist capacity. It's more like, I want to be okay with not having my appearance define how cool I am, if that makes sense. That's huge. And I think I only got here through starting to like who I am, as crazy as that sounds. But, yeah, it's all very personal. I'm very excited about my hair. I actually feel good about it and I'm going to grow it out long. So I'm going to be 100% basic, the basic of the basic, and I'm here for it. No offence to brunettes who have long hair, but... (laughs) Sorry, Brooke, our producer. <laughs> me gonna just be awkwardly looking in the corner like, where do I go? I'm going to have no personality. I'm not going to shine anymore, but I'm going to be happy with it, like the rest of you. <laughs> Damn, it'd be like that. Well, that's me. So if you're seeing the videos next week of us on Cater and you see a brunette, don't think that Froomey's gone. I'm just in a new case. Cater, Flex and Frooms. You're listening to Flex and Frooms. What the frick? Flexi, I've got a listener submission. It's from a woman who will not be named. <laughs> Thank Hi. you for protecting her identity. <laughs> Hi, Frumi. Hope you're well. For the show, can we discuss the intricacies and complexities when it comes to mother-daughter relationships? Spicy. I feel like you're either extremely close to your mum, talk every day, etc., or your relationship is incredibly strained and distant. Personally, I'm the latter, babe. My mum is still pissed off at me about not making an entire speech dedicated to her at my 21st. Oh. Now I'm 30. And it's been years of us going through stages of semi-connection and complete strangers. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> At the 21st, you maggot love. Mom, um. <laughs> I just want to thank you for pushing me through your burden canal. Oh, like the pain. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's that's like, hectic. yeah. 
That doesn't happen, babes. It really doesn't. And I will say, because we've been um, very much impacted by the patriarchy, conversations with daddy issues are very, like, very commonplace. You say daddy issues, everyone's like, yeah, we know exactly what this means, the complexities of it. You For all genders and non-genders, we get it. Mummy issues, though... People don't think they're as serious or they're not spoken of as much. There's no sexiness no, to it. It's, it's mixing sexiness, but I also think it's complex in a way that people don't want to unpack because I don't think that it's, I think it's just really easy to like frame dads as deadbeats and mums as saints. And so when you want to contradict that narrative, it gets really confusing for people. We also watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. And that was a really good movie about the complexities of not only mummy issues, but cross continental cultural mother-daughter relationship issues. What I will say is that I really do empathise with people who don't have good relationships with their mum. I haven't always had a great relationship with mine because it wasn't modelled to me. I just remember observing, shout out to my ex-boyfriend, had such a good relationship with his mum and I was like, I like my mum this much and I don't call her multiple times a week. I don't check in. I don't text her. And so I remember confessing this to my mom and her revealing, like, it would make my life if you just sent me a text. It would make my existence if you just told me what you were doing. And I was like, what? That's it? And she's like, that's all I want. And I do. And let me tell you, it's like the best thing ever. I'm obsessed. What I will say, though, is that, like, it's really, it's a big task as like a young person or as a child, as an adult to try and like heal your parents. And like, if your mom's pissed off at you for not acknowledging her at your 21st and it's been nine years, that is a problem bigger than you can fix on your own. It's just also like, so my relationship with my mom or my experience growing up was that mom is a saint. She does no wrong. She's never once done something to hurt me. That's big. That's like, um, how do you say... That's unachievable. Like, I don't know if I could do that for my daughter because I have to put myself first sometimes. I'm not criticising what she did, but there was, like, entirely selfless. But I understand as a person and my relationship with other people, sometimes you are mad at people. There'd be times when I'm pissing my mum off, you know. So I can see why the mum's upset because everybody has these, like, specific... I don't know. Some people hold grudges. Yeah. Look, it's tricky. What I will say, it's not Karen... To, I just think what's happening now is you're matching each other's energy. And if you want different results, you have to try different things. It's very I hard, though. That. It's very hard dealing with someone who is emotional, who is convinced that you did something to really hurt them. This is a case where you have to just swallow your pride. If you want the relationship. I think so. Because something that you learned, something that I've learned with like repairing my relationship with my sister, for example, nothing in life is better than not beefing with somebody. Nothing. I never thought it I never thought it bothered me and now that we're friends I'm like my life is exponentially better but I would have never thought of it cuz I just didn't think a relationship was on the cards for me and my sister. Yeah. So, if you could just put your pride to the side and just go full steam ahead trying to repair it with your mum and take your ego out of it, take your feelings out of it just for the short term, mm. then I think you will see results that will Make it so you don't feel the need to message us. I'm the opposite. I think some things, some, some things are too hard for you to deal with on your own. And if she's not meeting you halfway, then, like, act accordingly. Damn. Well, okay. let us know how you go, girl. Flex and frames. Flex and frames. Cater. Never miss a beat. I want to be honest. I want to be candid. Uh-oh. I want to start 2023 strong. Sorry, interrupting. Are you ever not honest and candid? No, but I'm setting a point. You know how sometimes you just have to like let people know what you're doing, put context behind your behavior? So they don't get upset. 
Yeah, and also I told you I have this thing where because of the tone of my voice, people think I'm being sarcastic when I'm being quite serious. This is one of those moments. We are closer to the end of the world than you think. Not a bit, not a joke, although it sounds like I'm smiling. I know I think I am smiling. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) This is your PSA. Go commit that crime. (laughs) Send that text. Fall in love. Quit your job. Maybe don't do any of these things. But yeah, the world is ending. Um, An elite group of scientists who monitor the world for the possibility of an Armageddon caused by humans have um, released their annual report. So they've made this really cute and helpful clock. It's called the Doomsday Clock. And essentially, yeah, something like, good for (laughs) SEO. Um, And essentially, when this clock strikes to midnight... Visually, because, you know, we're, we're visual learners. When this clock visually strikes midnight, that's we know it's game over and the world has ended. So in 2020, when COVID happened, we were 100 seconds to midnight. That's very close to the end of all things, right? As of 2023 in January, the scientists have updated the clock. We are now 90 seconds to midnight. It's getting worse rapidly. Now you might be wondering how do they measure how, like how close we are to the end of the world? It's a combination of like social-based catastrophic events, the war in Ukraine, um, and also climate-based catastrophic events. And there's been a lot of those happening in very quick succession. And so you might be wondering, well, what do we do with this information? I'm not sure. And I don't think the scientists know either, because as you know, they've been chaining themselves to landmarks yep. and trying to get our attention. Stopping on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, Literally Slay Queen. doing all they can to let us know that we are, you know, we're, we're hitting the brink, right? We're, like it was breaking point 20 years ago when they were like, don't water your grass anymore. And we were <laughs> like, oh, but the grass needs to be green. And now we're hitting that point. And like, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And I'm trying to cry more, but not at work. Um, Here is a quote, though. The scientist says, humanity continues to face two simultaneous existential dangers, nuclear war and climate change, that are compounded by a threat multiplier, cyber-enabled information warfare that undercuts society's ability ability to respond, which means that the issue is these things are happening at such intensity so quickly that we can't respond fast enough to fix it. Shout out to scientists, number one. Shout out to humanity. They're killing my vibe, to be perfectly honest. It's not great, but, you know, it is information and information is power or something. Yeah. So the end of the world is nigh. Yes. We, I think it was a few months ago, maybe it was like literally almost a year ago now, we were talking about how for a lot of people, it kind of is the worst of the world right now. People who are hungry, people who are... um, displaced by flooding xyz so are we thinking that just the more it goes along the more we will be impacted from where we are sitting yeah i think the conversations about the end of the world are very like western centric because yeah like i was saying i mean i think this would have been last year most parts of the world i wouldn't say most parts but significant populations have been experiencing what we think is the worst possible case scenario in their everyday life. Extreme weather, displacement, poverty, like no access to clean water, no access to resources, no Uber Eats, you know, no medication, the basics, right? And so now we're getting to the point where not only is it impacting us in the West, but metropolitan 
places. That's where it's really messing people up. City they're like, folk. Yeah, they're like, it shouldn't be us because if anything, it should be regional, inland, over there. And I feel like that's why these conversations always lack the urgency because we're stuck in delusion that it shouldn't be us. We're not from those places. We don't live in those places. That's not our narrative. And so because of that, I think we also struggle to prepare because I think that some of us live in this, like if you prepare for it, you're acknowledging it or you are having to commit to changes that you don't want to believe are true. But then also I feel like people think it's out of their depth because what mm. can you really do when a flood comes in? Like what are you meant to do? So right? there's so many sandbags. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, what happened in – um was it Lismore last yep. year where it's like flood after flood after flood after flood after flood and it's like, okay, cool. You could only just like live your day to day and hope that you have enough like energy to like keep living and stuff. And I also feel like the conversation about climate change has been so like highbrow, mm. like philosophical and not practical. I f- It's just like, oh, you know, like the canoe tipping theory. And it's like, babes, listen to what that theory is. Like, have you heard of it? That like one day, it like it rocks and rocks and rocks and one day it just capsizes. Yes. So people often, people often feel that the impacts of climate change will be like a slow burn or like it'll build sequentially. Like, you know, this will happen here and then this will happen here and then the temperature will raise by 0.5 degrees and this, like, you know, we'll have time to adjust at every stage. When realistically, no, it's going to be really extreme events and all of a sudden it's like... Yeah. There it is. I kind of liken it to aging. So, you know, when you're really young, you just think it's going to be this and then this and then this, when in actuality, the older you get, the faster time goes, like scientifically. Yeah. You know, when you're one, your whole life is one, so it feels really long. And then when you're two, you've got it, duh, duh. And then by the time you're 50, Mm -hmm. a whole year is in comparison to the other 49 years. I do think, though, it is a slow burn. I mean, time is relative, right? Like, it's a slow burn, like, from the dinosaurs to now? Because, yeah, it's been kind of slow. Or has it been, like, the last couple of years where every Christmas is raining? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. That's the real impacts. No, I've had enough. Um, What I will say, though, I do like your point about being hopeful about it because I think, for me personally, it's less about, like, what am I going to do today to make sure it doesn't flood in Sydney and more so how can I maintain a lust for life so I don't, you know... Let's look at some things. The ozone layer is healing. I don't know how, but somehow it's healing. The There's new like plastic technologies where they're going to turn plastic around um, so it's the same quality as virgin plastic. That's going to change the game. Solar power. Solar power. Love that. Everybody just needs to get their freaking fucking act together. I don't know. You start off, Follow. Yeah, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it, sis. <laughs> anyway, one more thing. No. No! <laughs> we just found this button in the studio. No. <laughs> it does different. Okay, one more. N-O. No! No, 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 no. Should we end? No! Okay. <laughs> Kisses, everyone. <laughs> See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Flex and Froom's daily podcast. For more, tune in to Cater on DAB or stream it on iHeartRadio.